Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code the Zone 125 You bet, you win, you get paid. BETUS.com. I uh, pulled up an old article from, let's see the date here. This would be Big Ten Basketball 2021-22 Preseason Power Rankings, November 8th, 2021. And I'm just going to go through some of these uh, teams that uh, a lot of the writers and other people had you know, in the Big Ten. Let's see here. I'll pull up the Big Ten standings as well to compare and contrast. Uh, So right now at the bottom of Big Ten basketball, let's see here. You have yourself Illinois, or uh, sorry, top Illinois, obviously at six and one. You got Wisconsin, uh, five and one with Michigan State at second. Then Ohio State's uh, fourth at five and two. Purdue, Rutgers, Indiana, Iowa, Penn State, Northwestern, Michigan, Minnesota, Maryland, and then the basement at zero and eight. No conference wins would be Nebraska. Looking at some of these power rankings that some of the writers were talking about. Uh, let's see here. Uh, coming in at number 14, they give Minnesota. Minnesota, they're going to be a rebuilding year uh, for the program, dealing with the head coaching change. We knew that. Hell, one of our callers, Chad, his brother is on the coaching staff, so they're rebuilding. Northwestern, they have at 13th. Penn State, they have at 12. Nebraska, they have at 11. This is Fred Hoiberg's most talented Man. team in Lincoln. And it's not even close. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, they're zero and eight. <laughs> they're six and thirteen overall. They're bad. Still the most talented. Uh, at number ten, they have Wisconsin. Who is this? Uh, this is uh, the majority of the sports writers unanimously. This is what they had um, preseason Big Ten rankings. Oh, this right is here. preseason. Okay. This is preseason yeah. Big Ten rankings. Uh, I'll get back to the Badgers in a second. Number nine is Iowa. Number eight is Rutgers. Seven is Indiana. Six Michigan State. Five, Maryland. Four, Illinois. Three, Ohio State. Number two, Michigan. And number one, Purdue. Like, just listening to that just from a few months ago, there's more than just Wisconsin that seems kind of criminal, right? Like, Michigan State being sixth. (laughs) They're five and one. When's the last time that Tom Izzo had a Michigan State team that was sixth in the Big Ten? The I silence is deafening. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't tell you. Um, the fact that they had Nebraska at 10th is the most talented team ever, and they're 0-8. That's hilarious. Uh, here's what the most majority of uh, saying about Wisconsin. Wisconsin predicted to be 10-10 and in the Big Ten, 18-13 and overall. I think the highest that they had them, what was um, what was the highest they had them, Rowdy? Like, was it 8th? I think 7th. 7th? Yeah, it was 7th to 10th. Here's a little snippet on Wisconsin. After a year where all the talk was about Wisconsin's experience, the youth is the center of the conversation in 2021-2022. Alongside Tyler Wall and Brad Davison, Wisconsin will likely start three underclassmen. True freshman point guard Chucky Hepburn. He has been rumored to have worked his way into the starting group. Uh, The Nebraska native should have Badger fans excited for the future. Well, let's stop right there. I'm excited for the future of Chucky Hepburn. Mm -hmm. He looks like a damn good point guard. A guy that can facilitate... 
uh, have some nice buckets once yeah. in a while. And, and when he doesn't have it offensively, we've seen it a couple times this year. His defense is pretty darn good. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. He hasn't been very consistent shooting the basketball, but the defense has played both home yeah. and away. Yeah, He's got timely buckets when needed, but yeah, defensively and in, in addition on assists, he's looking good. They say uh, next up, a usage leap, and a major one at that is likely coming for Jonathan Davis, who will be uh, much more of an offensive creator than he was a year ago. One sentence. That's it. Uno. And then we'll get back to that. (laughs) Major leap. They said defensively with Stephen Crowell and Ben Carlson alongside Chris Vogt off the bench, the Badgers have the option to go versatile, uh, small, or big. This group lacks Big Ten experience, but it has the potential to be a very good defensive team. Where will the scoring come from? Question mark. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Johnny Davis is now the Naismith player of the year. Uh, I think he's, is he's the favorite still? If not, he's, you know, the top three. Johnny Davis is a lottery pick. Johnny Davis has taken that leap and then some. Again, the quote is a usage, a usage leap and a major one of that is likely coming for Jonathan Davis, who will be much more of an offensive creator than he was a year ago. But where will the scoring be coming from? Your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, the major leap was really undersold there in that article. <laughs> um, leaps and bounds. One, what was it, RJ? Um, one small step for man, one giant leap for Johnny Davis. Yep. As he has been absolutely crushing. And you look at some of these writers in the preseason giving the Badgers finishing 10th. Was it right for them to doubt this Badger basketball team? Um, no. Because you, you, you see everything that left. The only thing coming back in terms of any production was Brad Davison. Mm-hmm. You have the whole situation of at least from the outside, what is perceived to be a disgruntled team, not a an attempt at a coaching coup. <laughs> a, a key. Um, a catching key. And there is really a lot of doubt in, you know. Well, well I mean, you had the six with seniors, well, right, that right. they had forever, and you're wondering about the experience, and then you're like, where's and, the – I, the val- the question was valid. Where's the offense going to be coming from? I think you could have said Johnny Davis, no problem. But then where are the rest of this coming from? Brad Davison, obviously. And then you're still looking for that third. Right now it's Tyler Wall. Yeah, but you're really looking at, I think, a lot of more off-court stuff that yeah. went into this being 10th of, I don't know where the program stands as being loyal to their head coach. Sure. But I think we all know. I mean, as soon as that stuff came out, you had – parents of incoming recruits who haven't stepped foot on campus yet and been like, uh, we're here for guard. He's a great man, blah, 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 all this, that. And I think we're finding out the kind of players that stuck around. Brad Davison wasn't afraid to call people out. Yep. The voice of the team. Not who, afraid to back red guard too. Right. Johnny Davis, who, you know, everybody's like, oh, he called out his big men. This team's going to crumble. Well, they're, they're doing pretty good since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you had parents be like, we're sending him to our kid to Wisconsin because of Greg Gard. And the Indiana game when they came back and won when Johnny Davis and Greg Gard had their arms around each other, like beaming Huge ear to ear. Smiles. Like, like, yeah. you, and, the, and the Maui Invitational, too. You can't fake that. And the Maui Invitational. Are you going to say something, Rowdy? Yeah, I think the writers were pretty close to being 
on with writing it at that time. I mean, looking at the standings right now, yeah, they're tied for second with Michigan State, but I think going into the season, I probably would have ranked them eighth or ninth to finish in the Big Ten. Another eighth in the nation. And you you look at it, though, because the Big Ten was going to be pretty solid again this year where you had Purdue that was supposed to be good, Ohio State. I know they didn't have Michigan State ranked that high in the final standings, but they're always good. Illinois had some good big-time players. Iowa and Indiana have always been decent. But, I mean, the reason why I think there was a lot of skepticism for this Wisconsin team is you talked about it. There were a lot of guys that were leaving and a lot of guys with a lot of experience. I don't think there were many people, especially casual fans, that thought Johnny Davis would go from a freshman that played a decent amount of minutes and scored seven points a game to a guy that's an odds on top five player in the, in the country when it comes to the Naismith award right now. I, I don't think very many people outside of maybe a, Greg Gard and Johnny Davis and maybe some teammates thought that that was Yeah, I don't possible. think any of us thought that. I mean, you figured he'd be good, right? But, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe, like, you know, 10, 15 points maybe a game. Not 23. And not clearly being the best player on the court pretty much every night. But I think another thing that Johnny they Davis were, is the favorite to win it right now. The other thing that I think they were right with was their big men. Stephen Crowell hardly played last year. Yeah. He was thin. Yeah, still and is. He still is thin. Uh, you didn't really know exactly where you're going to get from him. Ben Carlson played more than Stephen Crowell. <laughs> He's now playing less this year, and you didn't know exactly what you had in him. And then for vote, you knew exactly what you were getting in him. It was a guy that would be more of a rebounder, rim protector. He had played at the Division One level before and you know was just kind of is what he is. He's, I think, played a whole lot better than what probably Greg Gard and a lot of casual Wisconsin fans thought he was going to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's played a bigger role. Yeah. And honestly, Stephen Crowell, I know he's got pushed around in a couple games, but he's held his own for the most part. And Ben Carlson's pretty much been MIA. Yeah, he's yeah he's got a hard time coming off the bench. Uh, Johnny Davis, the odds on favor for basketball player of the year, uh, plus 450. I'm looking at here, Bovada. Um but I think another Just guy that, that's played way better is Tyler Wall. <laughs> Tyler Wall, you know, we commented, man, what was that? Last week he made like his first three-pointers of the season. Right. Two of them. Overall, the shooting maybe in spurts has been a little bit better because we saw improvements from his freshman to sophomore year shooting the basketball. But him being able to step up, play defense, and kind of be that four on the team where, like they saw, thought in that article, it was going to be the, the four and five would be Carlson and, and Crowell. Well, Carlson being MIA, Tyler Wall being the second most experienced guy on the team as a junior, stepped in and has filled that role for the most part pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Davis, 21.7 points, 7.5 rebounds, 2.6 assists, one and a half steals, and almost one block per game. The dude, from when he didn't start a game last year and only averaged seven points per game to now being the odds-on favorite for the Naismith Player of the Year is nothing short of incredible. He is uh, crazy. And right now, the Ken Palm rankings ranks Wisconsin's uh, strength of schedule at sixth. They're eighth yeah. in the nation. And they have just two losses and one without Johnny Davis. And that was Providence was, what, 21st? Yeah. And that was, by the way, that was the third game of the season. Yeah. We were talking about how this is one of the most inexperienced teams. How they have Brad Davis and Tyler Wall and a bunch of first and second year players. Yep. And then... I think that's another thing that makes this team pretty good. We talked about a lot of the starters there, but 
like Bowman has been able to give him minutes. Oh, yeah. We mentioned Chris Vote giving him minutes. Even Jacoby Neath has given him some minutes that they've needed. Like they've had a lot of guys that have been able to not necessarily play a ton of minutes, but at least in rotation and backup come in. They're athletic and at times can score the basketball or shoot a little bit. Yep. Yep. Very spot on. The Badger basketball team, who is now eighth in the nation, moved up 15 spots the last two weeks. Eighth in the nation is only a two-point favorite against the Northwestern Wildcats tonight? Yeah, Northwestern coming off a huge win against Michigan State. Yeah. Other than that, though, I mean, Northwestern really hasn't been relevant in basketball since I started watching college basketball. North... No, did Northwestern beat Wisconsin like a few years ago when I was like beside myself? I mean, Northwestern has had some pesky teams in the past, and especially it's like the one place like Collins Field in football is a tough place to play for Wisconsin. I feel like Wisconsin. there are some games where it's at Northwestern, Badgers don't play well, or at Rutgers in basketball. At the rack, the Badgers don't play well. Yeah, the rack is. Uh, I still feel pretty tough. confident in Wisconsin in this game, mostly because they clearly have the best player on the court. Yes. Uh, let's see here. The last time Northwestern beat Wisconsin, I'm trying to look here. God, it was 2017. Was that is that right? 20, 2018, actually, where Wisconsin lost. Is that true? I'll have to go look at that again. 60 to 52. That's tough. Rowdy. I mean, that was also the same season, 17-18, is when Brad Davison yeah. and crew were freshmen. A lot of guys were injured. February 1st, 2018. They didn't play very good basketball uh, for most of that season. No, that was a tough... I mean, like, yeah, 60-52, to 52, Northwestern won. Wow. The Badgers were 10-14 and 14 at that time, and the Wildcats 14-10. and 10. God! Crazy. Yeah, but you look, at, you look at Northwestern here. They're sitting at 9-6, and 2-4 and four in the Big Ten. We talked about how good Wisconsin's schedule was. What was it? The sixth-ranked schedule yep. in the nation. They're the eighth-ranked team. Uh, they have seven quad one wins. Even without Johnny Davis, that's one of their losses to a top 25 team. Here are the teams that Northwestern has beaten. Eastern Illinois, <laughs> High Point. Steakhouse? New- <laughs> Not the Steakhouse. Oh, that place is great, by the way. New Orleans. Who that? Lost to Providence. Badgers also lost to Providence, but without Lost Johnny Davis. to Wake. They beat Georgia, but it's not like Georgia's known for their um, Georgia. basketball team. Georgia. They, they beat Maryland. They beat whoever NJIT is. Uh, New Jersey Institute of Greater Higher Learning. It might actually be New Jersey Institute of Technology, to be completely honest. I don't even know. NJIT. NJIT. They beat Illinois Springfield, and then they've lost to... It it is! The New Jersey Institute of Technology. Hell yeah. Michigan State. They've lost to Penn State. They lost to Ohio State. They lost to Maryland. And then they they won the rematch against Michigan State. You look at the teams that they've beaten, the only team that you would say is is a good win is Michigan State. Everyone else has been the Illinois or the Eastern Illinois, the high points, the New Jersey Institute of, of Technologies. Technology. They haven't really beaten anyone good outside of Michigan State. And that just happened to be this last weekend. Yeah. 
and that that's got to be the highs of all highs for Northwestern. Oh my God, they were on. Yeah, they were totally on cloud nine. Give me Bucky to just come in. Well, there hang and on, thump hang, them. hang on. We'll talk about that in the Razor's Edge coming up, Rowdy. Um, before we hit break and do the Razor's Edge from sports gambling, NGIT. Yes, indeed, the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Guess what their mascot is. If you can get it, you get a gold star in the fridge today. I'm going to go with like um starts with an H. I'll give you a hint. An H? Yes. There's some, you're not a movie guy. You're not I mean you're more of a movie guy than you once were when you started here. I was, was going to say hand ruler. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Highlander. There can be only one. The Highlanders, Rowdy, of the New Fuller Jersey. Fuller message is in, and, and he's wondering if Northwestern beat South Harmon Institute of South- Technology <laughs> as well. Now, that's a good school right there. Um, what were they, a dilapidated old hospital psych ward building? They were the sandwiches. And then Justin Long, who didn't really want to go to college, but decided to start his own. That's that movie, right? South Harmon? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever happened to Justin Long, by the way? What he did that movie and quit. He just is that no, even ending on a high note? I have no idea. Well, I think he still does. Some Jonah stuff. Hill's also in that movie before he's oh, Jonah well, Hill. He's like three Jonah Hills in that movie. <laughs> he's the he's the hot dog asking people about his wiener. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, what a flick that was. Um, what was it called again? It was accepted. accepted. Yeah, accepted. Check that movie out if you haven't. <laughs> it might be on Netflix still. I think it was at one point in time. Yeah, Jonah Hill, extremely fat in that movie, and then he did super bad. <laughs> and then he's, he's like, you know, I'm going to slim down a little bit. Now, now he's, he's got, like, tattoos. Now he tells people not to talk about his body at all. Well, sorry, Jonah. Um, nice to see you losing some weight, brother. Good, good on you. One goes by the name of Aaron Rodgers, the other Tom Brady. Rowdy, when you saw the suite and sent it to me last night, what did you think? Career postseason wins versus NFC teams. Tom Brady, 10. Aaron Rodgers, 10. Years spent as a starter in the NFC. Tom Brady, 2. Aaron Rodgers, 14. Well, the first thing I did was start to think about the tweet. And the second thing I did was, well, he's only been in, let's see, four playoff games, technically, Mm -hmm. in the NFC with his win on Sunday against the Eagles. Um, that means six of those wins were in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yep. That's where the other come from, beating the NFC teams. Aaron Rodgers been to a lot of uh, playoffs. Only one Super Bowl where he would beat an AFC team, obviously. Um, a lot of losses in NFC championship games. So when you see that tweet, Rowdy, and you sent it to me and you thought about it for a little bit, um, what did you think between compare and contrast of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers? Just Tom Brady's that dude or... Or do people get caught up in kind of this the quarterback being like a it's not a it's not an individual win, it's like a team sport, right? Football is. Tom Brady though, ten against NFC teams, Aaron Rodgers ten. Time spent in the NFC, Tom Brady two seasons, Aaron Rodgers fourteen. Yeah. It was pretty tough to sit there where honestly the last ten years, a lot of the goat talk, which I absolutely hate. Goat goat has been overused by every little snotty-nosed kid and every pundit on Twitter way too much, but it's always Aaron Rodgers and and Tom Brady, and it's always, well, Tom Brady's got all the championships, but Aaron Rodgers has all the ability. He's got the best arm I've ever seen. Yeah. But you look at that 10 wins for Tom Brady, and it's been one-plus playoff. You know, people always talk about, well, Tom Brady's got this, Tom Brady's got that, blah, 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 blah. At some point, you have to go look at the Super Bowl rings and all of the wins and everything he has and be like, 
Tom Brady just didn't luck his way into all of this. How does Tom Brady continue to luck his way into it year after year? Eventually got to say he's good. One-plus playoff in the NFC. All the other six wins were in the Super Bowl, the biggest game of the year. Mm-hmm. And, on, and on top of that, you know how people were going back and forth, like who who made who? Bill Belichick, Tom Brady. Yeah. Well, now Bill Belichick didn't have the roster or a quarterback two years ago, and they weren't very good. But they think they got their quarterback, and they were okay, decent this year. Got blown out by the Bills. Tom Brady has thrived two years in Tampa. Now, he did go to a location that had a bunch of talent, but uh, post-New England together, Tom Brady's definitely won that battle. So I saw this. Mike McCarthy without or Mike McCarthy with Rodgers a .618 winning percentage. Mike McCarthy without Rodgers .45. That's a .073 difference. Bill Belichick with Brady .773. Belichick without Brady .473. That's a three point three hundred difference. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> whoa. And then there, here's the other thing. Oh, the majority whoa. of the time in Aaron Rodgers' career in the playoffs were with Big Mike, Mike as head coach. Yep. Well, just the last three seasons of Big Mike, Aaron Rodgers, 81 touchdowns to 15 interceptions. First three years with LaFleur. Obviously, the first two years they went to the NFC Championship game and hoping for a third straight NFC Championship game this year. First three of LaFleur, 111 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That's 30 more touchdowns in, in that span and two less picks. And also you got to throw in, I guess, Ted Thompson versus Brian Kudukuts in that with, you know, bringing in a little bit better of a roster. Yeah. Because what they had at the end of Ted Thompson's run. Yeah. That roster well, there's no doubt that else. Tom Brady... Bill but Belichick. Tom Brady never's got that great of a. Ro- I mean, outside the Buccaneers. Well, New England's had some pretty damn good rosters and good in defenses. Tom Brady's career. Good defenses, always having a, a good defense, at least solid. Did Tom Brady ever have like a legit like Devontae Adams? Well, I actually did some math, and this was just randomly a couple weekends ago, and I was talking to my dad about it. Um, in playoff losses. In Aaron Rodgers' career, the defense gives up thirty-five point yeah, six ton. points. A, or it, was, it was no, it was nearly uh, it was thirty-five point seven eight points per game. Judas. So nearly thirty-six points a game. Yeah, and the offense scores twenty-five points a game. <laughs> so they're losing on average by about ten points. Yeah. But the fact that in losses the defense has given up nearly thirty-six points per game. I know there was a stat for Tom Brady where it was like the defense allowed like 20, 22 points a game or something like that. I mean, that's almost a two touchdown difference. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty tough. 35 point. Let's round up 36 points. The defense was good for the backers in games in that losses. he's lost in average points My per game God. in games that they've lost. That's, that's ridiculous. There's Not you basically really, you really think they can score consistently six touchdowns every time. Yeah. It's like, come on, it's, especially when everything is so tight in the playoffs. Like, come on. You look and back that's not even talking about <clears throat> special teams. Yeah. Oh, my God. Special teams have been the worst. And then you yeah, look at good. So <laughs> let's see here. You go and look at NFC championship games, right? The Buccaneers hung 31 to the Packers 26. Before that, the Niners hung 37 on the Packers 20. Uh, before that, the Atlanta Falcons hung freaking 44 to the Packers 21. 
Um, what's some other NFC? Then you got to go back, I guess, to the Super Bowl run when what they. What about Seattle? Oh, Seattle. Excuse me. Yeah, I tried to block that out of my memory. RJ, yep. Seattle hung twenty-eight. Oh. To the back even go back, go back to some of uh, the early years of Rodgers. I think it was 2009 where the Cardinals 51 points. hung 51 <laughs> on the defense. But the Packers did put up 40-something. Uh, what was it? 45 yeah, points. That, 40, you scored 45 points. So what are you How many of, games do you think? What, what do you think your odds of winning in the NFL are if you can score 45 points? I know the average total in the NFL huge. for two games, you know, the over-under is around 48 you almost ate. You almost ate up that whole over under with your team. Yet you still lost. Yeah, it's insane. It's insanity. So you go back. Like I wanted to talk legacy kind of today coming up, and also as the you know the week progresses and the legacy talk will never go away until Rodgers wins another Super Bowl. But you look at this season, and you got that stat with Tom Brady we were just talking about. And you look at Aaron Rodgers. Now Aaron Rodgers hasn't performed the greatest in NFC Championship games. I understand that, but we just read NFC Championship games points that the defense has given up, and it's nuts. See, I think you can agree with both of those facts. You can agree yeah. that Aaron Rodgers hasn't necessarily played the best, especially in NFC Championship How's he games. How's over 37 points a freaking NFC Championship but, game? Yeah, you're asking him to be lights out every single playoff game if your defense averages 36 points a game against you in losses. Like, how? how? Like, what? Do you think Rodgers, as good as he is, every time he gets an NFC Championship game, has to score over 37 points for a victory? Like, forget about it. That's insane. Yeah, basically you're asking him to score five touchdowns and a field goal. <laughs> it's, it's wild. And then you go look at, I would go and want to go look at Tom Brady and his, you know, tracks to NFC Championship games. Obviously, I just read the one with the Buccaneers last year where they put up 31 points. But Brady is probably out winning games like in the 20s, I'd imagine. Because he always had a pretty good defense. Uh, we'll talk about it and more. You just just think about some of the rosters that Tom Brady and the Patriots had from like 2000 to 2010. Yeah, um, those those rosters were stacked. We'll get back to that. But Rowdy, something we were talking about was career postseason wins versus NFC teams. Tom Brady has ten. Aaron Rodgers has ten. Years spent as a starter in the NFC. Tom Brady has two. <laughs> Rodgers has fourteen. Both the amount of career postseason wins. And six of those come in what, Rowdy? For Tom Brady. Super Bowls. Yeah, the biggest game of the season. And then we went a little bit more in depth talking about how Aaron Rodgers' defense and those losses are giving up almost 36 points per game. Yeah. And his offense is scoring 25. So we well, went, real quick before you do the, the Tom Brady, the Packers, that's what you're going to, right? Yeah, because when you were interviewing Grant, I had some time here. We'll get to that in a second. But first, just to recap it here, um, obviously we had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the NFC Championship game. They won 31-26 last year. Kevin King still haunts our dreams. And then before that, 2019 Conference Championship game, the San Francisco 49ers ran the ball all over the Packers, 37-20. to Jimmy G was 6-8. of eight. Then you got to go back to 2016, when they got just housed by the Falcons, 44-21 to 21 on the road. And then 2014, the Seattle Seahawks, God bless it, Brandon Bostick, come back. They hang 28-22. to 22. And then let's go back to, obviously, they won the Super Bowl in the 2010-2011 season. And then it was Aaron Rodgers in 2000. And, well, I guess that was just a wild card game when the freaking Cardinals hung 51 points. So there's where you get all your points, right, Rowdy, for the defense. Tom Brady now, 
obviously the Patriots forever and now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You figured out Tom Brady, what his defense has been giving up, and that would be what? Yeah, so Tom Brady's defense, and this is in the losses, they're averaging giving up just over 27 points. <laughs> 10 less than the Packers? Yes, nearly 10 less points than the Green Bay Packers. And in those losses, Tom Brady in that offense scoring just under 19 points a game. Really? And what was the Rodgers in the offense scoring? In their- 25. So wow. basically, Tom Brady and his defense is giving up 10 points less than what Aaron Rodgers' defense did. And Aaron Rodgers and his offense was scoring about a touchdown more than Tom Brady and his offenses. So Green Bay has, what, four top 10 defenses in the last 20 years? The Patriots had five seasons of the 20 that weren't top 10 defenses. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, when you look at just roster in general, the Patriots roster from the 2000 2001 season till about, I don't know, 2000 and close to 2010. Mm-hmm. those rosters were star studded. They like they were stacked and it makes sense that he, you know, Tom Brady won a ton of Super Bowls in that time and made it to a ton. Of, he was, he won three Super Bowls from 2001 to 2007. <laughs> and oh yeah, by the way, the years that he didn't win it, he lost to the giants. Remember the helmet catch yep. and he lost to Peyton Manning and the Colts in the conference championship game, which, oh, by the way, they won it that year. Yep. Tom Brady been around a little longer than Rodgers, obviously. What, 19 years with the New England Patriots, 2000 to 2019? And then you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that he's obviously with right now. Seven-time Super Bowl champion for Tom Brady. Five-time Super Bowl MVP. He's got the uh, MVP, what, three times? Rodgers going for his fourth now, looking like Rodgers going to get it. Do you think – I think I'm just asking a, a dumb question when I'm asking anyways. With Rodgers getting the all-pro nod over Tom Brady, that Rodgers now getting set for that MVP award? You would think so, right? Yeah. Or are they going to pull like a, well, we voted this guy, you know, national player of the year. So this, this other guy is going to get the uh, most outstanding player of the year. It's, it's yeah. I would imagine he wins it, especially because it's supposed to be the same 50 voters that voted on it. So, but who knows, but who Rogers should win it. If he doesn't, it's going to be a travesty and we're going to come after the likes of hub Arkish and others. Uh, but when we, when you first saw this, because you said this to me last night, Rowdy, this stat here, right? Tom Brady, 10, 10 postseason wins versus NFC teams. Aaron Rodgers, 10 postseason wins versus NFC teams. You're spending the NFC, Brady 2, Rodgers 14. That's just like, wow. You look at it like, wow. Tom Brady has been afforded, obviously, good defenses. But also, the the guy's damn, like, there's something to say about a habitual winner, right? Like, a guy can... How would you describe Tom Brady over Aaron Rodgers? Definitely a lot different of a personality. Oh, by the way, I saw a Tom Brady tweet where he had a video. Yeah. I think it was the first time I've noticed it. Going gray on the sides. Gray's finally hitting him at age 44. So father time is catching up with Thomas. It it was. Maybe maybe that was just a impromptu video where he forgot to have the hair dyed on the side. (laughs) But yeah, just for men getting a little gray on the sides. Um, Damn, Tommy. Yeah. I, maybe there is. Does isn't Tom Brady play long enough to look like Mason Crosby? <laughs> isn't Mason Crosby younger? Yes. <laughs> Does Tom Brady play long enough to look like Mason Crosby? Because, <laughs> yeah, Mason Crosby is 37 years old. What's Brady, 44? Yes. My God. He'll be 45 before next season. 
Yeah, Tom Brady's like Benjamin Button. He's got the reverse aging. Then you look at Rodgers. He's been in the beard, right? Looking a little... Uh, I don't know. If, I like the long hair. I don't know if it makes him look older or what. I think it does. But yeah. Uh, so, Rowdy, looking at this game then, uh, advancing the story here, the Buccaneers. Let's look at the playoffs a second here. The Buccaneers take on the Rams. It's a rematch. The Rams beat the Buccaneers in the regular season, 34-24. And you have the rematch there. Looking at the game itself, now the Rams just punked and bullied the Cardinals last night relentlessly. Uh, the Buccaneers did the same to the Philadelphia Eagles. But I don't think you can say that the Well, I don't know. The Eagles looked like trash, but my God, the Cardinals looked absolutely pathetic as well. Yeah, I would say out of the the playoff teams, didn't Philly and, and Arizona look like the seven and six seeds? Yeah, I know Arizona was the five, but they looked like the two worst teams in the NFC playoffs. Yeah, they looked they looked abysmal. But looking at these two teams now, I mean, gun to head as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers favored by a field goal. Who would you take in the uh, Bucks Rams at Raymond James Stadium? Bucks. Same. I mean, you know, they say that styles and matchups make fights. Obviously, the Rams are a pretty decent matchup against that uh, Arizona team with just their solid off or defensive line. Yeah. You look at the the Bucks though. I know Werfs went down with an injury. And their center went down with an injury, so that's two all pro or uh, Pro Bowl linemen on your offensive line. But it didn't seem like either of those were like major, where it's like, oh, they're not going to play next week. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we're going to have to check the injury report. But if those two guys go, that, that I mean, that's a good offensive line for Tampa. That's going to probably negate Aaron Donald and that defensive line to an extent. Leonard Fournette was iffy going into that game. He didn't play. Might get him back. That only is going to boost your running game going forward. And we already know that Tom Brady, Gronk, Mike Evans, I mean, they have a ton of wealth at these skilled positions at receiver, tight end. I know Godwin's down. I know they're a little bit beat up, but uh, they still can get it done. Rams, on the other hand, are they going to be able to run the football like McVay's going to want to be a little more balanced against that front seven for Tampa? Yeah, it might come down to who's going to who's going to play the better uh, game, Brady then, or Stafford. And I would take Tom Brady. And then you go look at the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo apparently has got not only a torn ligament in his thumb, but also a bad shoulder, a sprained shoulder. So what does that mean for the Packers? Well, maybe more Jimmy GQ handing the ball off. What happened last time they played in the playoffs and he handed the ball off? Raheem Mossert was running wild, but Mossert ain't on, you know, he's injured. Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code THEZONE125. You bet, you win. You get paid. BetUS.com. What else are this guy's voice? Rob Reichel, my guy, Robbie. What's up, playoff Rob? How are we doing? Playoff Evo. <laughs> I'm dialed in, Robbie. I'm ready to go, dude. I got oh, bringing it on home playing. <laughs> never, never a doubt. You were, you were dialed in by 
by uh, about seven o'clock what Sunday night when you do the matchup. So. No, I'm. Well, I mean, Robbie, you and I are always dialed in. It's just now we're just hyper focused, dialed in, or something like that. I don't. I'll have to think of the correct vernacular there, Robbie. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, crank it up time of the year, isn't it? Yeah, turn it on and rip the knob off. I got bring it on home playing Led Zeppelin. Uh, hopefully, yeah. bring it on the uh, Lombardi Trophy home to Titletown starts. You know, Saturday seven fifteen. I wanted to talk legacy with you, uh, Aaron Rodgers, because I know it's something that's up your tree. Uh, but before that, the Niners is this the is this the toughest matchup the Packers could have drawn? Yeah, I think I think so, Evo. When I went through last week and I kind of ranked the playoff teams, I mean the Rams certainly looked really good last night. I just, you know, they beat the Rams pretty convincingly last year in in the divisional round, and they handled them two months ago, roughly when when Los Angeles came to Green Bay, and I just. I really thought playing in that weather, I don't know. L.A. seems a little soft to me. I Well, they're yeah, L.A., Rob. It's California. Of course they're soft. Yeah, you know, but San Francisco, you know, the, the, the same state, obviously. And, <laughs> and man, they... Uh, that's they Santa Clara, you know. So it's a they, they win the lines of scrimmage, Evo. That's for sure. I mean, those are... Those are grown ass men, and they go at it hard. And uh, you know, I, there's just something different right now to me about the 49ers and the Rams. Rams a little more finesse. 49ers a little more physical. Um, I, I think a physical matchup is, is a tricky one for Green Bay. Now, now you know to to um, let you in on where I'm going. I, I think Green Bay wins the football game Saturday <laughs> night. But but I do think this was at least on paper coming in, like you mentioned, a, a, a really tough matchup, a team that can run the ball, a team that can control both lines of scrimmage. Um, at the end of the day, though, I, I think the discrepancy in quarterback play is going to be large. Okay, so speaking of the discrepancy of quarterback play, Robbie, obviously Aaron Rodgers being the most healthiest he's been ever since he, I'm assuming, stubbed his toe while he was in quarantine for COVID. Uh, the news <laughs> has come out now that Jimmy Garoppolo has not only a torn ligament in his thumb, but also a sprained shoulder. Are we just going to have to not, you know, have a repeat of the 2019 NFC Championship game? I know Raheem Mostert isn't there, but uh, a, a Niners running back not running wild all over us? Maybe. You, you might be exactly right on there. Plus, you know, we're going to have to monitor Boza closely this week and that concussion, Warner and that ankle. Um, I mean, those are their two best defensive players. And, you know, pe- people ask during the year, Evo, boy, you know, do, do the Packers want to buy? It, it didn't work out for them last year. They, do they want home field? They lost the NFC title game in Green Bay. This is why you want it, right? Because everybody went to battle last weekend, and everybody who is still standing is probably down a man or two or even more. You saw what happened in Tampa Bay with the left tackle Werfs, and, you know, he, he, he's in a boot right now. I mean, Everybody everywhere got beat up over the weekend in Green Bay, and their and their guys sat back drinking pina coladas and watching <laughs> games, and you know getting foot rubs and things like Ooh, that. Sounds right nice. Before. Sounds nice, Rob. Yeah, no, I mean that that, that was a pretty good weekend for Devontae Adams and the guys. Um, you know, and, and 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 here you you hit it exactly right. You know, they they, they can't go to Lance at this point in time. They're 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 all in with Garoppolo. There was already a huge gap between Rodgers and Jimmy G in the first place. I, I think at this point in time, uh, I mean, Garoppolo was already a game manager to, to, to put it mildly, Evo, and, and now you, you're going to have to, you know, double down on that. It's, it's going to be run, run, run. And, and you remember that game in, in 2019, 
49ers ran 50 offensive plays. 42 were on the ground. Mm. 42 were rushing plays. Garoppolo only threw eight passes that day. Um, would they love that formula again? I'm, I'm sure they would. That means they'd be playing from ahead, and, and they'd be milking the clock with Mitchell and guys like that and in the ground game, Evil. I just I don't know how that's feasible, and, and I think Green Bay's going to sell out. They're going to go eight in the box. They're going to do everything possible to take away the ground game. They're going to make Jimmy G beat him at some point in time. Um, the, the interesting thing, Evo, is is that Jimmy G probably has at least as good, if not better, weapons in the pass game than Green Bay has. Uh, with, with, with Evo Samuel, with Ayuk, with Kittle, um, they're, they're pretty deep at wide out. The running backs can catch the ball. The problem is I, you watched it in the Dallas game. I, I just have very little, almost zero faith in Jimmy G coming into Green Bay in a game that's going to be 10 degrees or colder and, and, and stealing and stealing a game. I think San Francisco's really an outstanding football team, Evo, except at the most critical spot on the field. And that, that that's where they struggle, and that's going to be the difference on Saturday night. Yeah, Rob, watching that Cowboys 49er game, you could tell that Thumb was bothering him because a lot of his passes when he missed, he was missing high. And when it gets cold in Lambeau and it'll be, you know, less than 20 degrees, a sprained <laughs> shoulder and a bad thumb, that's not going to get any better. And on top of that, if they have to play Trey Lance, uh, this game's already over. No, I, I'd agree with you wholeheartedly. And um, it, 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 it sets up, it sets up pretty poorly for, for San Francisco, at least in, in that department, you know, you, then, then, then you turn the, turn the table guys. And, and, you know, we're going to, we're going to certainly learn more as the week goes on here, but, but I would expect, you know, green Bay to have every vital piece back, you know, that, that we've talked about here now for months and months um, in, for this football game, Alexander's going to play the Darius Smith will in all likelihood play. We'll see how many staffs they can get out of Bakhtiari. Can they get a full game? Even if they can't guys, if they can get 40 or 50 snaps out of him, um, you know, that, that's a huge win in terms of, of, of where they were a month ago. They'll, they'll, they'll get their starting center back. So Lucas Patrick could slide back over to right guard. So in theory, the offensive line is better. I mean, when, when you just look at, at a Packer team that was beat up all season long, guys, um, they've gotten healthy at the right point in time. San Francisco's coming in here pretty beat up. I mean, even take Garoppolo out of the equation, guys. I mean, if, if they don't have Boza, I mean, 15 and a half sacks there. They, they've still got some guys up front that can get after it a little bit, but nothing like Boza. Fred Warner's one of the five best inside linebackers in football, guys. You know, if, if he can't go or if he's limited, um, it, it, it's an enormous blow to their defense. So, um, again, there, there's a lot to like again about San Francisco, guys, and, and part of this matchup is a little bit scary, I would say, for Green Bay. But at the end of the day, I, I think their injury issues, and then again, just just the enormous gap we're talking about at quarterback is probably going to be enough for Green Bay to advance to the title game. So, yeah, you're talking about San Francisco, and they're starting to get beat up after Dallas game. Green Bay getting everyone back. Do you know exactly how healthy or do you have an idea on how healthy some of these guys are that are coming back for Green Bay? Like we haven't seen anything from yeah. Jair. Can he give them like 80% of what he normally is? We'll see that, Rob. Come on. Yeah, you know, we're going to, you know, they practice again today now, guys, and for the first time in four or five days. So we're going to learn a lot more. My guess is what they're going to do, guys, with Alexander is run him out of the slot. Um, you know, you, you talk about Stokes and Douglas on the outside and, and, 
and and I don't know at this point in time if you want to move either one of those guys because they, they, they've given you such quality play here for the last couple of months. Douglas, since they signed him, and Stokes has been a guy kind of on the uptick uh, the second half of this season here. You guys, you think back to last year when that third corner – uh, you know, was, was, was Kevin King or Shandon Sullivan, however you wanted to look at that with Jair. Not, now you, you know, you, you're, you're talking King probably doesn't even get on the field on, uh, on Saturday night. Sullivan maybe in a limited role, maybe 15, 20 snaps. Nelly, my best guess is, is they're going to run Alexander out of the slot. Um, you know, the, the biggest question there is can he tackle, right? And and is San Francisco going to going to test him early and often, throwing short, intermediate stuff and in, in making him tackle? Obviously, that's going to be Shanahan's game plan and, and to make him prove that. But um, boy, you you want to talk about a guy who uh, it has ideal size, speed, structure to jump inside and absolutely take everything away that San Francisco would want to do uh, on, on the inside and in the middle of the field. There, guys. Alexander has the potential to be just a, a dynamic slot Ooh. guy. Um, so I like we'll, that, Robbie. We'll, dynamic. We'll see, we'll see how this plays out, guys. But yeah, we'll talk uh, again on Thursday about all this, Robbie. I mean, we'll let the dust settle a little bit, okay? Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll get through a couple of days of practice here and and find out more exactly where they're headed and where they're thinking. But but I would just say, you know, I I, I to Nelly's question, Alexander, I think is going to play. How much? You know, I, I think it's still a little bit of a mystery where it's going to be as a mystery because obviously the last couple of years he's lined up outside. Sure. But I, I just don't think at this point in time you want to move Douglas or Stokes. And, and I think maybe your best best alternative or your best plan is is to go with, with Alexander and what they call that star position on the inside. Uh, the real star, Rob Reichel, joining us right now. Forbes.com, Conley Media. Follow him on Twitter at Rob Reichel. Robbie, something that you are no stranger of, and I love this. Rob, I love everything about you, but I love this the most about you. You pull no punches, uh, hold back no punches when it comes to you know, talking about legacy, when it comes to a guy named Aaron Rodgers who wears that number 12. Uh, Rowdy sent me this tweet last night about another dude who wears number 12. Career postseason wins versus NFC teams. Tom Brady has 10. Aaron Rodgers has 10. Years spent as a starter in the NFC. Tom Brady, 2. Aaron Rodgers, 14. Now, obviously, Brady got four of those last year and six in the Super Bowl when he was in the AFC. Legacy for Tom Brady already set. What's the legacy right now for Aaron Rodgers? And how much would a fourth MVP, but more importantly, another Vince Lombardi trophy mean for the legacy of 12? Yeah, I don't think the MVP enhances it dramatically at this point in time, guys. It, it all comes down to playoffs and, and Super Bowls and, and championship-level football. You know, so since Green Bay Evo won, this, won the Super Bowl in 2010, Rodgers is sub-500 in, in playoff games. He's 7-8. and eight. And, and career-wise, even, even with that win in, in the 2010 NFC Championship game, uh, at Chicago, he's one and four all time in, in conference title games. He's lost his last four. And guys, if you really go to, go through and break it down, those five five games, the five NFC title games, he has not played very good football. He, he was dreadful against the Bears in ten. He he, he was god awful against the Seahawks in twenty fourteen. Um, his final stats in sixteen against the Falcons and in nineteen against the Forty ers look okay on paper, guys. 
But they were down 31 nothing against Atlanta, and then he beats it up with garbage stuff. And, and the same thing in 2019. They were down 27 nothing to the 49ers in a conference title game, and then he had a bunch of garbage yards and scores late in that game. He was better, guys, last year against Tampa Bay. But to me, that game still comes down to one play. Can he beat Sue to the goal line for a touchdown to make it 31-29 with two minutes to go in that football game? Or does he throw into double coverage to Adams and he makes the wrong choice? He doesn't try to outrun Sue to the goal line. He throws into double coverage. Um, whether you want to call that cowardly or just just a mistake, I guess I guess is 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 uh, you know how you want to do. What would things. you call it, Robbie? I would call it cowardly. I knew he I, would. I, I knew it. I knew it. I, I, I thought I thought he was making a business decision at the time because he felt he was on his way out of town. And I think uh, what it was, Robbie, is he saw his flashes of Indemakasu in his lion days, like stomping on people's nutsacks. So I think he didn't want to be stomped on by Indemakasu. Absolutely, no question. And then you even flash back to that game, guys. And Rogers was pretty bad for the first half when they fell behind twenty-eight to ten. So here again, he has, he has to lead a second-half comeback, which which we all know he's not exactly known for. So I, obviously an all-time great, um, it, at least when it comes to regular season. But, guys, he, he has really struggled in the postseason the last decade. He needs a big playoff performance uh, here to really enhance that legacy. There's only 12 guys all-time that have multiple Super Bowls, two or more. Uh, obviously the GOAT is waiting here at some point in time in all likelihood for Rodgers to, you know, if, if we see part two of, of him and Tom Brady here in, in a week and a half. But, um, you know, Rodgers, this does set up perfectly. Aaron Rodgers is the big, what, chip on the shoulder guy, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. He, 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 he's, he's the grudge man, isn't he? I think, you're, I think you're motivating him right now, Robbie. I, I mean, <laughs> he, he's, he's got a list, right? Did, did you make Aaron Rodgers' list, right? Everybody, everybody when he left high school who, who, who stiffed him and uh, didn't give him, give, give him an offer to play college football was on the list, right? Uh, all the teams that bypassed him on, on – on, on the April 24th of 2005, when he fell the 24th in the draft, they're all on the list, right? Brian Gutekunst is on the list. Are you? The, 40, the 49ers are on the list. Tom Brady's on the list. I mean, this sets up right now, Evo, for him to come back and, and, and beat the people that have hurt him the most in the, in the last two playoffs, right? Start with San Francisco, the 2019 NFC title game, then go to 2020, Tom Brady and and the Buccaneers in, in that conference title game. Aaron Rodgers has a chance to cross a few more people off his list. Will he do it or not? That's going to be the most fascinating part to me, guys, of, of these playoffs. I'm curious, Robbie, where Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson fall on that list. And, and, and where you fall on that list, too, Robbie. <laughs> yeah, I, I might be up there right now with, with all 21 teams <laughs> that, that blew them off on the— uh, I love it. You're, I, give, you're giving them inspiration, Rob. I mean, yeah, I might be up there with everybody who blew him off in the in the old five draft and, and everybody since then, right, guys? Um, you know, he loved he he he, he 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 was a huge Ted Thompson guy. Rogers loved Thompson. Thompson's the guy who took a chance on him. Thompson's the guy who had the balls to go ahead and trade Favre when ninety percent of the state was screaming and yelling for him not to. Obviously, it was the right decision. He's got fifteen more years of remarkable quarterback play over there. So Aaron Rodgers was always linked with Ted Thompson and, and, and is never going to say a negative thing about him. Did he want more help in free agency? Yeah. Absolutely. Did, uh, did he lash out at Ted? No. He's kind of waited for Brian Gutekunst to, to and then and he's lashed out at him now over the last year of, about a lot of that stuff. You know, 
we all know, Aaron, it, it, and that's what would have been fascinating at some point in these playoffs, guys, about a Green Bay-Dallas matchup um, with all the questions McCarthy and Rodgers were going to have to answer. I mean, it, 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 it's common knowledge. It's well known that Aaron Rodgers was, was a big part of Mike McCarthy eventually getting fired in Green Bay. Rodgers had had enough. Um, and, and whatever the move has obviously worked out extremely yeah, well for, sure. for the Packers. They're 39 and 10 under Matt LaFleur and, and we'll see how much longer Mike McCarthy is, you know, okay. going to be alive down in say Dallas. That, say that, say that. Cause I wanted to ask you about McCarthy before I let you go, Robbie. Yes. So speaking of that big Mike, the Dallas Cowboys fans now understand the pain that Mike McCarthy has caused the Packers fans <laughs> with how, it, first of all, Jerry's world, whoever designed that, I know Jerry Jones signed off on it, but the sun shining in and the stupid jumbotron, like blocking punts and whatever, it's so dumb. And then Mike McCarthy and then Dak Prescott with a 14 yard run. And then, the, you know, trying to set the ball at the end. Can you just give us a little comedy chuckle about Mike McCarthy at the end of that uh, game against the Niners, Robbie? Yeah, I mean, guys, I, I think it's stuff we've talked about on the show all year, right? I mean, it was the most predictable thing in football, like like the Lions and, and the Jets and the Jaguars having the top picks in the draft. You knew eventually clock management was going to bite my Big Mac in the tail. I mean, it was it was the ongoing theme and the story of the year in Dallas is, is, is time and time and time again. They butchered it at the end of halves and at the end of games when it came to clock management. And guys, I just I don't think this is any surprise whatsoever what transpired down there in Dallas. Now the real question becomes, can he survive this, right? I mean, I, I had a couple of NFL guys I was texting with during that game on, on Sunday night and one of them texted me and they said, What the hell does that guy even do in the first place? <laughs> and um I mean I, I Jerry I, Jones I, gave him his vote of confidence yesterday. I know you. You know how those work sometimes, though, Ebo. Yeah, so Robbie was saying let's, that he's let's fired. settle on that two or three days and and and, and see how this all plays out. I'm going to guess that he survives, Ebo. Yeah, I think he's got one more year. That, that 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 is really a tough one to come back from, and and obviously, you know, some of that goes on Kellen Moore as well, the offensive coordinator, and and Prescott himself. But at the end of the day. You know, McCarthy's the highest guy up the food chain there. Everything eventually stems back to him. So, um, boy, he's going to enter. If, if he gets 2022, guys, that's going to be the hottest seat in football. Oh, yeah. He got I, he has one more year. You text me during the game, does Michael McCarthy get fired? I said, no, he gets one more year. One more year, and then he'll get fired. Robbie, I think he aged out after 2016. It, 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 it certainly seems that way. Right now, it, it appears to me he's stealing Jerry's money. <laughs> Robbie, he's got a lot of money to give away, so it's all right. Robbie, you the man, yeah, brother. Yeah, we'll talk does. again Thursday. I, I, I love when you're on. You stir the pot. You see my Twitter mentions right now. People love you and they hate you, but we love well, you here, Robbie. All right, buddy. It's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into all the good breakdowns of, uh, of what promises to be a, uh, just a, a thrilling Saturday night. Rob, love you, brother. Have a good one. We'll talk Thursday. All right, guys. See you then. Rob Reichel, Conley Media, Forbes.com. No stranger to a hot take. You need someone, San Francisco, to get to the quarterback here. Prescott takes off running the football. Whoa, I don't think this is going to work out. It will. They'll be on the clock this they were planned for. It's down, down. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the official gets in the way. The game's over. The game is over. Oh, he did. This is where you can't set your own ball as a center. you got to give it to the ref. Dak Prescott should have looked and found the ref. You can't give it to your center. Dak, find, find the ref. you got to give it to him, not, not the center. Wow, I am living if I'm a Cowboy fan and if I'm a Niners That's the fan. end of the game. The game is over.
The game is over, and San Francisco survives and advances. Unbelievable. The referee tackling Dak Prescott, the the fans throwing trash at the referees, Dak Prescott saying more credit to them. Unbelievable scene at AT&T Stadium. We now welcome in Mike Clemens. Good morning, Mike. What's up, brother? Evo, um, you know, we talked about this a little bit yesterday on the Bill Michaels show, too. That whole series is something that happened to the Packers in 2010, and they were on the road playing Washington that day, and they end up losing a, a game in overtime, and Aaron Rodgers is driving down the field, and they've got time on the clock, a couple of timeouts, but there's one point where I went over the tape a second or third time, and then I asked McCarthy about it on Wednesday. You know, when you get to you lose a game on Sunday, you better get your questions in after the game or maybe on Mondays because on Wednesday they've moved on to the next team. But he was nice enough. I said, there's a point there with about 20 to 15 seconds left where Aaron Rodgers is like, you know, got his hands in the air, like, what's the play? What's the play? And then McCarthy said, well, we were in our, what would they call our church clock? Yeah. Well, he said that he said that Sunday night. The hell's after church the Cowboys clock? Laws. Well, it, I, what it means is, uh, if you get the ball, you've got X amount of timeouts, whatever the situation, maybe a minute to go. It's it's what you're trying. It's you know, get me to the church on time. So you're playing a football game where you're looking at the clock, running the play. Look at the clock, running the play, and the plays are memorized. And what he has called thresholds, like. Okay, if you get from the 50 to, you know, their 40, here's two or three plays we'll run. If you get from the 40 to the red zone, here's two or three plays we'll run. All designed to get out of bounds, to, you know, move things. The first play was great, right, where he had that yeah. short little pass to the slot, and then he flips it out to the guy who takes it out of bounds. But I don't know where, I don't know where in any two-minute or one-minute offense the quarterback running with the ball <laughs> and then continue to run you know, until you get down to four seconds. You know, and Prescott thought, well, s- surely they'll give us the time back because, you know, the referee is the problem here. But um, what a mess. <laughs> what a mess and, indeed. And in Green Bay, you know what You know what changed? Aaron Rodgers calls all the plays now with two minutes. Oh. That's the difference. Give it to the guy that beat an astronaut in jeopardy, yes. Aaron Rodgers, you know, I'll call the plays, okay? I don't, I don't, I don't want some says, sort of a template. Look at me. I'm the play caller now. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 he's held that right for several years. So, be interesting if he talks about that today in his press conference. But um, boy, the Forty ers man, the execution of that running game with Elijah Mitchell, you know, close to 100 yards, and you would see him. There's one play where he took off over the A gap, over the left guard shoulder, and from the you know 50 yard line, the TV version you're watching it, and it's like, uh, man, how do you get through all those people? just blow through right through the middle of the line and pick up another nine, ten yards. And so then you look at the, you know, the, the end zone shot, and first you see the slot guy making a great you know, left-to-right move uh, in the jet sweep, which if you're the linebackers, you, know, you can't see any of this stuff. If Garoppolo keeps bent over with the ball low, you can't see where the ball is. Does the quarterback have it? Does the guy sweeping from left to right have it? Is he handing it off to the running back? And they and all that happens at the same time. They pull a guard. You know, these defensive linemen, they can't just push these or these guards. They just can't push these big defensive linemen. They have to either double-team them or they got to trap-block them. 
And so you see him pull the right guard, and you know, the holes are created usually by when you pull a guard like that or, yeah. or you double-team. It's not by pushing a guy. It's a double-team. That's what creates the hole. So they, they double-team, they push a guy, and then you look downfield, and you know, Micah Parsons, he's just blown out of the picture, and you look up, and it's George Kittle, you know, the tight end making a, 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 ta- a block downfield. And that's how they had these wide open holes, and and guys just not be able to keep their footing. And and after the game, uh, you know, you're talking to, to Kittle about uh, getting the win and heading to Green Bay. I think anytime you win a playoff game, you're pretty jubilant. You're pretty excited. We know we have things that we need to get better at, and we need to execute better. But winning's winning when you're in the playoffs. And again, we have an awesome opportunity versus the Packers Saturday night. Awesome Lambeau Field. Really excited about it, but. We'll definitely take this one and enjoy it. And, you know, we got a short week and can't wait for it. Yeah, no, it's time to get worked at Lambeau. I like George Kittle. He's a, he's a, I think he also said, why are, or maybe Bosa said it, why are the Cowboys America's team? We should be America's team. It's like, no, the Packers, Mike, are America's yeah. team. And Kittle, you know, one of his best friends is the Packers tight end, Robert Tunyon. And they put that tight end clinic together in the offseason. The Mercedes Lewis attended. All the great tight ends in the league went there for a weekend down in the Nashville area, just to talk about uh, issues and technique for tight ends and things like that. Uh, the That was a very physical game in Dallas. 49ers come out of it pretty banged up. Fred Warner, really smart linebacker that Rodgers always talks about. He's got a low ankle sprain. You saw him limping off there, uh, but they expect he's still going to try and give it a go Saturday night. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, he's been dealing with this ligament torn ligament in the thumb of his throwing hand. And so that's got to be tough to grip the ball. He also suffered a shoulder sprain in the game against the Cowboys. He was asked if last week preparing for the Cowboys game, if he ran the same amount of reps as he did the week before they played the Rams. Uh, I mean, it was very similar. I mean, it was, it was similar to last week how we did it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, nothing's really changed with the thumb. So <laughs> I think, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's one of those things it's, Every day, you just got to keep grinding with it. Everyone's dealing with stuff in there. I mean, it's, it's playoff football. It's that time of year. Yeah, everyone's banged up at this time. But here's the thing. It seems like the Packers are getting healthier. Hence, they're on bye, right? And then Rodgers talking about his foot being the best it's ever felt pre-banging you know, banging it in COVID quarantine. They got these seven guys like Zadaria Smith and Jair that miss most or all the season, um, you know, coming back. You've got uh, Lucas Patrick uh, tested positive last week for COVID. He got put back on the active roster last night. So that's actually one of the questions I'm thinking about asking on Florida Day. Is like, outside of opening weekend, I mean, this has probably got the, the healthiest your roster has been, right? And it's all been sort of timed up. Adrenaline and the playoffs are an amazing healer of pain, no question about it. Um, the other thing that's going on with Green Bay, of course, is these assistant coaches that are out talking to head coaching vacancies like for you know the Jaguars and the Bears and the Broncos. The Broncos came to Green Bay over the weekend to sit down with Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, the uh, quarterback's coach. And, you know, this is Luke's second tour of duty with the Packers before he was a, a wide receiver coach under McCarthy, but he's, he's really well-liked. And then listen to this. I think this was really interesting. This is kind of like the hard knocks view of what the meeting rooms are like with the Packers. And more and more, if you're an NFL football player, it's not what you do on the field because that's all limited under the CBA. It's how you learn 
strategy in these meetings. And, you know, you got 23-year-old high-energy, short-attention span guys that you, you got in there sometimes five hours a day for three or four different meetings. How do you keep these guys entertained? And Aaron Rodgers, I thought, gave some great insight about why guys like Hackett or Getze are now being looked at by other teams. And Rodgers says, you know, it's, it's really interesting on, on who – you know, who who are the people that are in the spotlight that are always recruited for head coaching jobs? It is interesting which coaches get uh, opportunities and which don't. Um, I've, I've been able to be around some great ones over the years, and it is always interesting to see who gets the opportunities and who doesn't. Um, I think on a base level, the ability to relate to players and lead a room should be at the top of any general manager owners uh, desires you know you have to be able to relate to guys to uh, you know th- this whole like uh, college mentality high school mentality you know coach you know needs the player to be scared of them and you know some of this this way of coaching that's thankfully gone the way of the white buffalo that you know that shouldn't be a part of uh, you know what what people are looking for. It should be an ability to relate to the guys, to understand what they're into, how to motivate, inspire them uh, best, how to get them to be self-motivated, set the framework for the squad um, and the focus, and then and then uh, trust your staff that you've put together. Trust the leadership football team. Uh, encourage encourage uh, player-led teams. And then it needs to be somebody who can control a room uh, with presence, with speech, uh, with uh, the concise uh, message needed at certain times. And I feel like both those guys can do it. Kudos to Matt for giving the opportunity. Um, all of our coaches do presentations, and they are freaking phenomenal. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, it's some of the best I've ever seen. Like, I always think if I can just get past that Thursday morning workout, it's going to be a great week. I got, you know, I got J.O.'s presentation. I got Ben Sermon's presentation. I got Getsy's presentation. Friday, I got Steno, and I got Hack. I mean, it's fun coming to work, and it's because those guys have such a great presence in front of the room. So I think both Hack and Getsy can really relate to the guys. They're younger. Uh, you know, Hack's been around the game forever. His dad is a legend. Uh, Getsy played the game in college, um, actually with a couple of my former players, uh, junior college teammates, crazy enough. Um, you know, he's 38 years old, uh, would about be 38. And, um, you know, he's got a great energy about him. They can both lead and, and be in front of a room and, and then uh, captivate an audience. So, Mike, I'm thinking that if uh, we were to want a job reference, Aaron Rodgers would be one to put down for a glowing review if you were uh, interviewing somewhere, it sounds like. No no question about it. I mean, he's, you know, he's a tough <laughs> act to follow. But I think it's interesting to say, these coaches today, man, it's you know they distribute the stuff via iPads through some sort of a wireless computer network, and they're not just standing up there with film and X's and O's. There's first of all, you got to come with some solid stuff on tendencies of the opponent. Like you know, we statistically this works against this team, so you get the guys to buy in that way. But then you know we've heard about how Nathaniel Hackett. It's got this funny stuff like clips from Austin Powers films, you know, and the, the gold zone. <laughs> I love so gold. There's, you know, yeah, there's all kinds of, I mean, for, uh, you know, for a generation that's on TikTok and going through 300 videos in, in 15 minutes or something like that, they, you know, these guys have to make this stuff visually 
entertaining uh, and, and something that these guys can remember and capture. Sorry, Mike, was that the Myers? No, no, I, w- I was. That, w- that was just the. the oh, talk sorry, about, I, was, I totally brain farted right there. But yeah, you're coaches. totally right. I was thinking of like the PowerPoint presentations I used to do when I was in like middle school and high school, and how they've evolved. And now you got to capture obviously everyone's attention right there, uh, as Roger's talking about. It's just crazy the amount of time and effort and energy that goes into you know coaching now. I don't even know the, how these guys have families. It's insane. Yeah, no, my my teachers were like the one in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You know, Bueller, Bueller, <laughs> Bueller. and you had the projector overhead, right, Mike? <clears throat> Uh, we did, yeah. yeah. We did. <laughs> I love those things. I still had the tail end of that, and then we got PowerPoint when I was in high school. One of the there. things that I think has been interesting, a comment, was from Aaron Rodgers saying about, you know, excited about he wanted to get Bakhtiari on the field in the Lions game, not wait until a divisional playoff game in the cold. You know, get out there and understand how far you got to come in terms of being football ready, physically ready, having your breath ready. And he also said and he wanted Josh Myers out there. So even though, you know, Lucas Patrick is a guy that he's endorsed and talked up and been friends with, this means Aaron Rodgers is buying into Gutekind saying, hey, no, the big kid from Ohio State, yeah, he's a rookie. But, you know, when you're talking about going up against guys like, you know, Armstead and D.J. Jones and, you know, Nick Bosa, if he's out there and some of those linebackers, we want the big kid from Ohio State because he was getting it done those first four or five games before he went down with a knee injury against the Bears. So, um, you know, Josh Myers uh, did get some snaps in in the first half in the game in Detroit, and he's projected to be the starter Saturday night in the playoff game. He had this knee injury that he would not talk about, not go into detail. But we asked him, you know, God, when you're out 9, 10, 11 weeks, were you concerned that the season was going to end before you could get back on the field? I knew that it was always a possibility, you know, as I was pushing the rehab and kind of getting through it and taking steps forward, I knew eventually I'd hit a wall. And um, there for a while, I was on track to come back for the Minnesota game, and I did hit a wall. But I knew it wasn't it wasn't a bad one, um, and I knew that I would be able to get through that. And my pass sets felt good, and football movements all felt good. It was more just like dead sprinting forward that I was struggling with. And once I realized that, I was pretty confident I'd be back this year. Uh, and then, you know, about a week later, that subsided, and I was good to go for Detroit. God, what a good feeling as the playoffs near. You get all these guys back, and it just feels like a team of, and I'll say it, a, a team of destiny kind of coming back together here at the end of the season, Mike. It's nice. Well, the defensive coordinator, though, Joe Barry, tempered the excitement by saying, you know, Zadarius Smith is coming back from back surgery and hasn't played since – 18 snaps again in the loss against the Saints. And Jair Alexander's been out, you know, 10, 11 games, uh, coming off of the severe shoulder injury. So just because these guys are running around in sweats and helmets doesn't mean that they're still really ready to play in a football game. There's some things that I need to see in practice before I feel confident out of putting them out there. Or Whitney Merciless, yeah. you know, with the torn bicep, and suddenly it's not season-ending. Suddenly he's somehow able to report. So Adrian Amos said, though, hey, though, hey, when it comes to, to being what Zadarius Smith does for a living, lining up outside and going after the quarterback, it's no big deal. Man, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a defensive lineman, outside linebacker. Go get the quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Like, go, go make plays. That's what he do. Like, I feel like you got guys that, you know, 
that you can plug in and go. You know what I'm saying? And he's been, you know, he's been around, you know, and then I don't think it's a big learning curve or anything like that for him. You know, just go, just go do what you do. And, and we see what he can do when you put him, you know, inside, outside, anywhere. Um, you know, as long as, you know, he can, you know, be down there and be disruptive. I like that. Go do what you do. A fresh Zadarius Smith back just getting after the quarterback. That's It's simple, right, Mike? It's all so simple. Just get the quarterback. Well, yeah. I mean, in terms of scheme or, <laughs> I'm not, you know, and, or how physically you need to be, yeah, just see if you can just, you know, work on your technique and your yeah, speed yeah. and your instincts. So today, you know, by the Packers schedule, today is a Wednesday. They got practice today, maybe a full session tomorrow, some, maybe some – guys hitting each other around some of these guys coming back the seven guys coming back from injuries another practice or run through on thursday and then they rest on friday they play saturday night the 49ers flying into wisconsin on friday night and we kick it you know 7 15 uh from lambeau field temperatures should be about 15 degrees Ooh. mostly cloudy skies maybe a 15 mile an hour wind hey you know but we're always very interested in player safety yeah, you know, yeah right. let's play at night in January in Green Bay. <laughs> makes sense, Mike. It just makes sense. Okay, oh, no, it's go player out, safety. No, go out there and run full speed and tackle that guy. Okay, yeah, no problem. <laughs> Mike, always a pleasure, man. We love your stuff. It's always a an awesome ride. So we enjoy it. We'll follow along, Mike Clemens NFL on Twitter. Check you out, Bill Michaels, Grant Show, my show. Good stuff, Mike. Thanks, Evo. See you, buddy. There he is, Mike Clemens, my man. 